December 26 by Ken Nesbitt A BB gun, a model plane, a basketball, an electric train, a bicycle, a cowboy hat, a comic book, a baseball bat, a deck of cards, a science kit, a racing car, a catcher's mitt. So that's my list of everything that Santa Claus forgot to bring. Is that the point? True. The sad and true. People should be listening to this on December 27th, so this is one day after that. December 26th. You can add your list of what Santa forgot. To bring you. <laughs> oh, consolation that everybody doesn't get what they want. <laughs> <laughs> and so we hope you've had a good time over the holiday period. And welcome to another episode of Poetry to Your Ears. Podcast. <laughs> this is Lulu. And this is Tom. And today we're bringing you a special christmas themed episode i would say originally it was going to be around the theme of identity but it's kind of trended more towards a christmas theme now and um it's it in selecting some poems for this particular episode it's a bit tricky in fact because you know i wanted to find poems that were kind of edgy and challenging as kind of what we like to explore on this podcast and when you know when you just put when you just search for christmas poems you you're brought to kind of the more classic mm. feel-good poetry the more religious you know particularly christian inspired poetry and it's all a little bit it's, it's difficult to relate to a lot of it right mm. so and Poetry is particularly uh, popular this time of year with people searching it, actually. You know, people want kind of is it? Christmas carols and um, religious poems to put on cards and decorations and, you know, Christmas cards. And that's what I think anyway. I think that people are kind of interested in poetry at this time of year, particularly like the, the you know, the average person. But that's not what we're going to do then. no. Nice, let's get on to it. Yeah, and <laughs> so before we get to some of those, um, just to mention that Eloise has been, you've been participating in a poetry competition of sorts. It's like, what is it? It's a, it's a scheme. Yeah, it's a kind of a deal with the publishing company um, where they give you the challenge to write 21 poems in 21 days and then to submit the form with all the poems and if you do this, you get Emily Dickinson 2021 <laughs> prize. And um, you may be selected to be published. Sweet. So that's what I'm doing. Wow, so twen- poem 21 poems, poem a day. Yeah, I'm at my fifth poem at the time of so recording. So we're recording this on the 13th of December. And it will be finished, I think. How many, so how many, sorry, how many poems have you written publishing. already? Uh, I think f- four poems. Four poems, and how have you found it so far, writing one poem a day? 
uh, I always feel like I'm not going to be able to do it, and then I find <laughs> something, and I just pull the string until <laughs> something comes out, and then and then I'm quite pretty happy with it. Yeah. How do you nice decide experience. what the topic is, what the idea is? I just think um, what was interesting today that kind of sticked out in my mind. So and they're not they're not all Christmas themed then. No, but they're all December experiences. Yeah, it's not like a advent calendar of. Of Little bit, poems. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they should have, yeah, should have done that and started it on the first of December. Yeah, they do it every month actually. So, but incidentally, the the poem the the poem you wrote yesterday, uh, I'm going to ask you to mm-hmm. read first. Is is the first Christmas themed poem that you've written? Yeah, right? um, I don't mention Christmas. I keep it um, right vague, but everyone knows. Okay. Yeah. Um, you want to read the poem and then we'll talk a little bit about it after. Yeah, sure. It's called Gift Giving and I wrote it uh, yesterday. It's that time of the year of gift giving. What is supposed to feel natural is planned like a school day. I make a shopping list of what I like so that you don't have to put any thought in this present. Transactional love. The only thing I really want is for you to really be present. I used to want big gifts, open my dreams under the tree. Now that we are equal, which means we only give a little. How stressful is it to budget? Sucks for my mummy, go before food for my tummy. The best gift is your attention. You thinking about what I would like is something that comes from the heart. Love language. It's uh, it's really sweet. I really like the the double entendres that you use between you know present i want you mm. to be present you know i don't want just presence this kind of thing that you say yeah and it's it, it really is interesting this this dichotomy between adulthood and childhood and this kind of speaks to something in between you know there's still a kind of there's still that kind of like even though you've moved on materially to become an adult there's still that kind of child mm. within you that, you know, you feel like you 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 expect something special from Christmas, right? And you feel yeah. something. You feel like you want something special to to happen. Yeah, when when we were kids, the w- the gifts we had weren't weren't uh, the most expensive gifts, but they were the ones we really wanted. Yeah. So, what prompted you to write this poem? Apart from the competition, of course. <laughs> yeah. At some point, you just have to <laughs> grab. So in my family, we have that. Um, we decided to do um, the system where everyone makes a list of what they would like. And um, someone who is inspired by one of the things in, that, in their list um, buys the gift for that person. Um but I just um, found found it a bit cynical <laughs> to make a list, 
and then to pick from that shopping list and and um it was specifically buy it for one person and and not for more than one mm. and uh I felt like it kind of lost the 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 meaning of gift giving mm. which is to give what you want to give to who you want to yeah. and have an intention behind it and it's not quite so it's quite intimate subject really yeah did you have, did you have any qualms about <laughs> sharing intimate details in your poetry i don't want to like uh, create a, a dispute in my family though that's not the point <laughs> yeah but that's but like that's my question is do you you know d- do you worry about sharing private details from your life in your poetry yeah always i think there's some poems that um i wrote and that i haven't shared because uh, they're really intimate and that involves other people than me as well right so when it's about my feelings i just decide whether I want to share them or not, when th- but when they involve other people's um, but when, when personal I hear, details. When I hear you say that, it makes me want to read those poems, right? It makes... I know. It's, it's like it's the feeling that like, we find those intimate details interesting as poetry mm. readers, as, as literature fans, as... I know. think it's, you know, when you come to the bottom of what is personal intimate... Uh, that's uh, why I think the quality of the poetry is it's just mm. as a poet is maybe w- the hardest part is not to write is to share and um, mm. to make yeah, a link like with another storytelling form I watched the documentary film of a friend of mine who's German who shared the story of her mother and she said the hardest was actually to mm. show it in front of people and then have the Q&A and everyone know your story yeah that you don't say to strangers and it's something that we have to come to peace with yeah it's kind of it's kind of like you have the choice of writing it in the first place but then after that you have the sober choice after you've written it of putting it out there in front of people as well it's like you have two choices right and i I find it complicated in my in in my case um to not worry my family about how i feel Mm. because i kind of go at the bottom of a certain feeling it doesn't mean i want to make it a big deal in my personal life it just means as a as a poet i want to go to the bottom of how i feel yeah well we we spoke about this before privately about the imperative of kind of telling your truth in the moment telling your feelings yeah. in the moment you know it's not it's not like policy it's not set in stone forever and all time it's mm. it's in that moment that you feel that inspiration to write those words right I think it, it is what's complicated is that it is you're trying to achieve the truth and it's non-fiction, right? It's not like a story of a character where mm. you put in your life in, and you people don't know if it's your life or the characters and it's yeah. blurry. In poetry, it's usually what people feel and it's true. But it's a strange kind of intersection between fiction and non-fiction. Yeah, because uh, you're also not completely true <laughs> about these things. <laughs> it's, its, own, it's got you its own name for a genre, right? Yeah, poetry. you just augment. Like sometimes I augment these feelings. I'm kind of un, like distrustful. Yeah. Because for the purpose of the drama, in a way, you know, to make them, give them more shape. And... 
you just have to it's therapy but mm. it's also art therefore you have to treat it as art so when i yeah. share it i want people to see on that art level and not on that uh, i'm communicating my true feelings because when i share my poetry i'm, I'm nowhere near living what i felt um at that moment you know what i mean <laughs> yeah that's it yeah but there are some poems that where i'm trying uh, to uh share truth so the first so the second poem about sexual harassment it is telling my story in a way but this poem about gift giving um i was just exploring how i felt on that day mm. about this shopping list but i don't want to make it a big deal in my personal life about oh, i don't want to do this or whatever yeah some poems are more sincere than others yeah but that's it's a, a really thin line between saying it's not sincere because you don't want to confront yeah, well, it <laughs> your actually relationships. It reminds, <laughs> it reminds me of a poem written about Slough and the poet, I have to look up who it is, but the the poet wrote a, a poem about Slough being destroyed. You know, how he kind of wished for Slough to be destroyed because it was such a ugly industrial town at the time. Mm-hmm. And I just remember that, you know, years after he wrote the poem, mm. there was such negativity surrounding it that he recanted and said, you know, oh, I wish I never wrote the poem because he regretted writing something that was such a diatribe against the town of Slough. Yeah. And um, it's just it's an interesting point about, you know, can you write a poem, put it out and then, and then change how, your mind about it? How right? are you responsible for how people take that poem as well? Yeah. yeah, for well, people's interpretation. Yeah, well, the Slough poem was pretty. It's uh, by John uh, Bedgeman. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but it's, yeah. Slough so English poet is in England. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of a almost a universal in poetry. In that feelings. That's why I think I always think it's easier to read to strangers than to read to people you know. Yeah. Um, so the featured poem today, moving on to the featured poem. Mm. Um, like I said, it's within the, that Christmas theme. <laughs> Yay! Um, this one's called. I want to. I want to just read it to you without any preamble, and then kind of get your reaction to it after. Mm-hmm. Christmas Tree Lots by Chris Green Christmas trees lined like war refugees A fallen army made to stand in their greens Cut down at the foot On their last leg They pull themselves up Arms raised We drop them like wood Tied They are driven through the streets, dragged through the door, cornered in a room, given a single blanket, only water to drink, surrounded by joy, forced to wear a gaudy gold star to surrender their pride. They do their best to look alive. (laughs) 
It's from the perspective of the tree. That's unique. Right, the Christmas tree. Yeah. Almost like eco-poetry in that way. Right. Eco-poetry is writing about um, specifically the climate and the earth, but from the perspective of the earth. So that's kind of... I see... I see um, I would put it in that category. Mm. But I think, but that's true, but it's interesting. I'd like to draw your attention to the symbolism of, it's almost kind of like a genocidal imagery associated with the trees as well, right? Yeah. I mean, for example, the allusion, the allusion here to forced to wear a gaudy gold star. Mm. It, that, I mean, that's a direct... Oh, reference yeah. oh, to to the holocaust right yeah okay to yeah. i was seeing more in that deforestation yeah i think that's what the meaning is of right kind of how do you, how do you say that? kind of anthropomorphizing the trees into yeah. into war refugees you know try and try and say anthropomorphizing anthropomorphizing <laughs> is really hard and also, um, kind of in that Vietnam War, like, you know, you're going to war and you're proud, you know, like, uh, I don't I don't have the quote, but I had this feeling like, you know, the Americans going to war and be proud of their country, but then they only do harm to themselves. Nothing good comes out of it. You mean overall, like the whole of the Vietnam experience? Yeah. Yeah. How it's all. Um, well, you, they they went to Vietnam with that illusion that they were fighting exactly. It's all for it, there's all like a, freedom and justice, and then came back and was disillusioned, right? With with why they were there, but like it's even kind at of the time, the truth is disguised in, in an ideology of uh, prettiness and justice, right? And ideals. Yeah. And I think yeah, I, I think every war starts like that, right? But do you like see there's kind that of like a the, even even behind the bad guys, yeah. there's there's kind of like a beautiful idea behind why they're going to war. Do you see that in the poem, though? Do I see what in the poem? Um, um, allegory to war, soldiers going to war. No, I don't. Mm. You see I it mean, more as the Jewish. I see it more as that the that maybe hysterically. Um, he's drawing com- a comparison between, you know, genocide of humans and a kind of genocide of trees, right? Like ecocide mm. of the, you know, we do, I mean, it is true in a way that we, we you know, f- as far as I know, human beings cut down a lot of trees for Christmas yeah, yeah. every well, that's, year, right? That's a big, for, the, um, for that specific purpose of putting them in, your house for a month. That's a big ecological problem. Yeah, mm. and you know I'm not particularly uh, against Christmas trees, but <laughs> yeah. but it's it's it is it's certainly a factor that we think about more today. I think we could take both. Um, I think we could take both meanings, you know, yeah. of how they're sacrificed and um, how. They seem to have a sense of u- duty. I watched that episode of Friends where Joey was working, selling Christmas trees, and he was saying that's their whole duty, sense of duty. Like, they are born to be Christmas trees. <laughs> and uh, Phoebe was Not saying, no, we're just yeah. killing them, you know. Yeah. They, c- they could uh, 
live so long but they only live a couple of months because uh, we want them in our house for yeah I think somehow this this generation now has become more sensitive to that issue I think before it would have been oh they're just trees but everyone we have a everyone has Christmas trees still even if we're sensitive but yeah it's kind of a a joy killer not to have a Christmas tree for yeah and they are beautiful they do look beautiful a real you know a real Christmas tree in your front room does look beautiful but and they smell good yeah it's it's you know ethical issues around Christmas one of many along with the Christmas dinner and stuff like this what kind of gifts you're giving so it's I think it's a good representation of <laughs> what goes in my mind <laughs> during Christmas this Christmas tree point yeah. uh, guilty pleasure yeah <laughs> it's almost uh, sums up Christmas <laughs> right. um I, so I wanted to I wanted I, I really f- thought this poem that we just read uh, Christmas lots by Gr- by Chris Green Mm-hmm. I really, I really did like the poem. I really did like that double entendre between uh, the symbolism there. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to put it up front before you read your poem that you've picked, um, because your your poem does deal with Jewish identity yeah. to some extent. You made the link there. <laughs> well, I didn't. Well, I actually wasn't trying to make the link so much, um, but I I recognised that putting that poem after your poem. Mm-hmm. would be a little bit distasteful you know i mean after all this the difference between trees and human beings mm. um so your the poem that you've chosen f- to be featured today is called hold me tightly hold me tightly and um it was published in the university's uh paper the arts pullout of the paper oh great when it came out in early December. Right. Um, it's called The Burrow, by the way. So this poem was featured. It, the theme was image and identity, and I talked about the necklace I wear. Uh, I won't say more. <laughs> hold me tightly. I hold this necklace, a turquoise gem, held by three golden leaves. One of them fell down, it is only two now, on my neck, for my grand-aunt held by my mother in a wooden box. You see a pretty colour that contrasts a black shirt. I see a memory of my Jewishness that no one can take away but by ripping my skin. I see all the suffering and the resilience, the broken knees and the strength to stand back up. Though I am not Jewish, I know nothing of the Torah or Hebrew, or the I am sure delicious meals. My ancestors never said it very loud, but they have been shamed for who they were. This is why they whispered. I am not even talking. I prefer to show and smile with my almond-shaped eyes. The stone is held by a golden lace, given by my godfather, Catholic. I am not Christian either, but believing in Jesus is what held my mother when her knees were broken. How can I not love what is important to the ones who hold me tightly? 
Beautiful. And so, can you say again what prompted you to write this poem? I I wrote it for the paper on the theme of image and identity. Right. But to me, it's more about heritage and belonging. Um, how, as a person, you never come in the world in a vacuum. And you have yeah. all that history with you, that you bring with you, whether... Uh, you identify with it or not. So I'm not Jewish, I'm not Christian, but all that is my history and where I was brought up in. And that somehow makes you more sensitive, even though you're not practicing Jew or practicing Christian, it, it makes you more sensitive to... It makes me more sensitive to, you know, Jewish issues and anti-Semitism because I feel like it's really close to me. The the reason why I'm not Jewish is because uh, my mother is not Jewish and Judaity comes from the mother. Um, you don't really choose to be Jewish. You can be adopted, but it's very That's kind of a traditional belief. Yeah, right? well, well uh, just a tradition. And then Christianity, I decided not to be a Christian. So I was brought up. It's, it's kind of the opposite mm. way. It's like even if I wanted to be Jewish, it would be complicated. You have studied um, religion um, as part of your uh, humanities, as part of your liberal arts program when you yeah, were doing your I degree. Yeah, I studied the Bible. Right? <laughs> so does religiosity or religion play a role in your poetry, in your writing, in your thinking even? Mm. I'm not very inspired by formal religion um, because a lot of the text is... Uh, very archaic and doesn't really give me uh, keys to understand the world now and kind of um, models to live my life. I don't relate to it. Mm. I respect people who do in that traditional sense. Uh, so, but for my inspirations in other places, I think what is more interesting to me and important to me rather than religion is this uh, heritage thing really the yeah. past and uh, your personal history and see the link between your personal history and the societal history because I think poetry is really about uh, to me at least uh, going to the bottom of yourself and see what you can say that uh, p other people can relate to and go to that deeper universal truth in that way or relat relative truth but something that um, touches to the truth <laughs> I don't know and um, that works pretty well Great, and thank you for being so open oh, that's with me. us here today. Yeah. It's really, you really have... Um, I think that's a subject I've been quite in touch with and uh, shared a bit about. I studied it. I used it as a study case, not anthropology. Um, you, used, you, used what? you used what as a study um, case? My, my Jewish family history, right. the memory. It was for anthropology of memory. And uh, mm. we actually looked at the pictures, the family pictures, and I made my mom talk about um, what she remembered of the history, what her dad taught her and everything. So I'm quite open about it now. That's great. And I'd like to finish the episode with an extra Christmas poem, actually. 
<laughs> each is a smaller one. We don't usually do as many poems in each episode, but uh, we're not going to get another opportunity to do a Christmas poem for a while. And it's the <laughs> it's the last podcast of the novelty. One, so what yeah. the heck? <laughs> the novelty of Christmas poems. Um, this poem's called "The Christmas Letter" by John N. Morris. Wherever you are when you receive this letter, I write to say we are still ourselves in the same place and hope you are the same. The dead have died, as you know, and will never get better, and the children are boys and girls of their several ages and names. So in closing, I send you our love and hope to hear from you soon. There is never a time like the present it lasts forever, wherever you are, as ever I remain. Nice. Makes me want to write a letter as a poem. Of course, it's, it's a, bit a play. Old, it? It's a play <laughs> on. It's kind of a satire on these circular Christmas cards that people send once a year. As it's cynical. To update. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see the cynicism. <laughs> You just like the language. I like the language. I mean, yeah. as well. Um, but it's yeah, it's a play on the cynicism of um, you know the way that people send Christmas card updates every year, and mm-hmm. generally they happen to be very similar, right? They happen yeah. to be the kids are that age. You have experience blah, blah, blah. with with that in your family, like receiving or oh, yeah. sending out. I've always been the kid in the picture. <laughs> <laughs> They send you send Sense pictures in your family. Sent by my dad to yeah. all his network, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, and we're we're end it there then. Uh, that's about it for the episode. Thank you for joining us, and um, you'll be listening to this on the twenty seventh of uh, December. So we hope you. <laughs> or later, yeah, of course. Uh, we we hope you've enjoyed your holiday season. Uh, and we'll see you in 2022 for in, in a whole new series of uh, podcast episodes. Yeah, we really hope you're enjoying this podcast you as can, much as we do. Yeah, you can follow us on uh, Instagram at poetry to your ears. And um, see you next time. See ya. It was Tom and Lulu on Poetry to Your Ears podcast.